You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Witwam. Go with me over to Psalms 119. We're going to read verses 162 through 165 again. But this week I'm actually going to read it from the New King James Version, just so that we have a, a little bit different perspective from this psalm. It says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Father, I thank you that pursuit of your word, pursuit of our relationship with you, will keep us from stumbling in life. Father, as we pursue your word today, this written word, we ask that you reveal it to us. Holy Spirit, reveal this word to us, that we can grow by it that we can fall more in love with you, that we can understand you more, that we can practice more of your presence, that we, that we can understand the intimacy that you have designed for us. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. So let me recap. Uh, this is the fourth week. So the first week we talked a little bit about fear. Worry is fear manifest. And it's the destroyer of faith. See, David refused to fear. He refused to fear the lion. He refused to fear the bear. And he refused to fear Goliath. David made God bigger on the inside than any problem on the outside. And then we talked about diligence. Saul lost his kingdom due to lack of diligence. Having a diligent spirit prepared David for a diligent Life. God doesn't always choose perfect people, but God chooses diligent people. Thank the Lord He chooses diligent people and not perfect people. Just, I would have been passed over very easily. Amen? Yes. Diligence is one of the most powerful forces in the kingdom. And I've been starting this series off with a couple of quotes each week. And I want to start off again with two more quotes as we move on talk a little bit about obedience this week. It, the, this quote says, The Bible recognizes no faith that does not lead to obedience, nor does it recognize any obedience that does not spring from faith. The two are on opposite sides of the same coin. A.W. Tozer. The second quote says, A ton of prayer will not produce what an ounce of obedience will. Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole. And it's so true. Obedience is very important to God. Obedience got us in the mess that we're in today. You say, well, what mess? Well, it doesn't matter. Whatever mess you're in today, disobedience got us there. I mean, it started with the disobedience of Adam and Eve. Disobedience got us there. And so obedience is very important to God. If it wasn't for disobedience, we'd still be living in an Eden environment. Amen? Love your law. So let me connect these lessons together. Fear paralyzes believers and restrains otherwise diligent individuals from pursuit of purpose and manifests itself in lack 
of obedience. Let me say that again. Fear paralyzes believers and restrains otherwise diligent individuals from pursuit of purpose and manifests itself in lack of obedience. Remember what Saul said to Samuel? I feared the people. Right? Fear. Fear creeps in, but God didn't give us a spirit of fear. And so it, may, it paralyzes otherwise diligent people. You may be a diligent person in a normal environment, but as soon as, as the government comes out and says, whoa, we got a pandemic, now all of a sudden, whoop, wait a minute. No more witnessing for me. No more praying for people for me. No more laying hands on people for me. No more, no more doing what God called me or told me to do. Fear can paralyze Lack of diligence generally results in lack of obedience. Lack of diligence generally results in lack of obedience. There are temporal and eternal benefits, blessings and promises to obedience, to falling in love with God's word or his law. There are, there are temporal, which means earthly benefits, and there are eternal, spiritual benefits for falling in love with God's law, for the obedience that's in his word or in his law. We hear a lot about falling in love with Jesus. I hear a lot of people just talk, they talk about falling in love with Jesus. We hear a lot about falling in love with our Father. And we hear a lot about falling in love with the Holy Spirit. And as believers, we should be falling in love with God more and more each day. But who is it that Christians are falling in love with? Are they falling in love with their, their remembrance of the Sunday school stories that they were taught? And there's nothing wrong with that. But Hebrews 6.1 tells us, leaving the discussion of elementary things. At some point, we have to grow up. There is a whole world of Christians who've received Christ and never moved beyond the story of Moses being, being found in the, the, in the thicket by Pharaoh's daughter. There is a whole segment of the Christian kingdom that all they know about is about Jonah being swallowed by a big fish. The stories that they learned in Sunday school, and they're very important because they're basic, they're rudimentary, they're elementary, they're the building blocks. But you were never intended to stay there as a believer. I mean, think about just the human condition. I mean, when, when you're born, you know, your parents start to teach you stuff. And at three years old, if you decided, well, that's all I'm learning about the human condition. The knowledge that I've gained in the first three years, that's it. Mom and dad, this is as far as I go. I may grow up, but I'm never going to know more, learn more, understand more, or be more than I've learned in these first three years. I mean, how would you be? You know, they would put you you know, in, in special ed classes, everything else, because they would think that you mentally haven't grown up. Well, how is it that spiritually we think it's okay to stop our spiritual growth? Because we went to Sunday school for three, four, five years as a kid. And so when something happens in life or when we face challenges in life, our only spiritual basis is what we learned as a young child. Maybe we've learned 
from what we've seen on television, maybe movies, or maybe even news broadcasts. Shallow, twisted, and in many cases, doctrines of demons. But there's many people that that's where they, they, they have their spiritual growth from. That's where they have their relationship from. That's all the farther that they fall in love with God is what they understand. I remember when I was, was young and in the Catholic Church, all I understood is God was up there with a big stick just waiting for me to mess up. Why? Because that's what I was taught. So my understanding was, is God loved me, but don't get out of line because he's got a big stick. And that for everything you did wrong, you were going to hell. I mean, if you didn't tell the truth, if you, you know, you'd go to hell for lying. You don't go to hell for lying. You go to hell for not having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And your condition should change when you have that relationship and you should not want to lie. You should not want to sin anymore. You don't go to hell for your actions. You go to hell for your separation from God, from your, from your lack of relationship with Jesus Christ. But if all I knew is what I learned uh, from, from watching the Ten Commandments and Charlton Heston or Spartacus or uh, some of these other you know, shows that had uh, portions that taught something about at least the Bible. I mean, if that's where it ended... If I ended my Christian being with the greatest story ever told, if my, my growth ended there, I'd be very shallow. Certainly if I was watching mainstream news broadcasts, they are so twisted. I hear people get on there and, 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 tell, and say what Christians should be doing and shouldn't be doing. What the Bible says and doesn't say. They have no idea. They have picked some obscure scriptures sometimes out of there, bend it around seven ways, and then tried to make it fit whatever it is they're trying to, to advertise, campaign on, get you to, to go in agreement with them. Do you know it's, it's a... The, the, I don't want to get on a soapbox, but do you know that, that socialism is a, it started out as a, hey, we need to do more for poor people. That's what Jesus would do, right? And so it's okay to take from people so that we can give to the poor. See, it's justification. But the Bible never talks about that. No, the Bible tells you to give to the poor. Never tells the government to take from you to give to the poor. But they will bend it around. You know, if Jesus, if Jesus was here today, you know what he would do. Well, I certainly know you don't know what he would do. Because the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they had no clue what he was going to do, and they th thought they had all the answers. So if we're getting, if we're getting our relationship through that means is very shallow. But maybe, it's, maybe, maybe your relationship, maybe your communication, maybe your pursuit of love and, and obedience with God comes from 30 to 60 minutes a week at a Sunday service. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it's good for you to be in church. It's better for you to be in a church that's Bible-believing. It's better for you to be in a Bible-believing faith church. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. But 30 to 60 minutes a week ain't going to do it. You're still going to be very shallow in your relationship. You can live a fulfilled life. 
You can, you can be happy that you, you uh, imprinted the seat upon which you sit, that it'll be there again next week. But when trials and tribulations come, you're going to be at depths above your spiritual growth because no relationship. And our relationship, our love, comes from God's Word, from understanding it. It takes more than that. Because soon, if, if, all, if all you're doing is spending an hour a week or a half hour a week at church, soon you're going to forget when you face trials and tribulations. When you become pressed on every side, perplexed, forsaken, struck down, overwhelmed by the cares of this life. See, this is when you need the strength of God the most. But if you don't practice His presence outside these four walls, you're missing the whole point of the relationship of the Garden of Eden. I love, that, I love Genesis 3.8 when it says that, that, that He walked with them in the cool of the day. God's intention is to be walking with you daily, for you to be growing daily, understanding daily. It's not going to come from CNN, Fox News, or MSNBC. It's not going to come from the, the, the latest uh, movie on Noah or Moses or anything else Hollywood puts out. It's not going to happen by just the few minutes in, in church on Sunday, though that is very good. It is going to require the Word. Not just this written word, but the revealed word, the word, Jesus Christ. He is the word of God. It's going to require a deeper, bigger relationship. Is there not a purpose? Is there not a reason to learn and understand the character of our Father? What Jesus did for us? And who the Holy Spirit is in our life? Is there not a purpose? Is there not a cause? Go with me to 1 Samuel, chapter 17 this morning. 1 Samuel 17, uh, verse 29. 1 Samuel 17, 29. We've been talking about David. And we're going to continue on in David's life. Here in 17, 29, David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? David spoke up about the greatness of God. Isn't somebody going to shut this Philistine's mouth up? Is there not a cause? Are we going to let that Philistine defile and make fun of the armies of God? Is there not a reason? Is there not a purpose? David understood the importance of knowing God through his word. You can see that in Acts 13.22. We're not going to go there this morning, but write it down and look it up. Acts 13.22. You can also see it in 1 Samuel 13. David was said to be a man after God's own heart. He understood the importance of knowing God through His Word. He understood that there was a cause. He understood that there was a reason. He understood the importance of obedience. See, as David was developing in his relationship, it manifests in obedience. David was diligent. 
We saw that. We've talked about that the last couple of weeks. But the manifestation of David's diligence was obedience to God. David was where he needed to be, not where he wanted to be. Remember that? David was doing what needed to be done, not what he wanted to do. David was diligent, and through his diligence sprung obedience. See, God was perfecting David. He was perfecting David's armor. As David was being diligent, the relationship was growing. As you're diligent every day to have a relationship with God, that relationship of diligence grows. And then as, as the Lord starts asking you to, to do things, and, and you see in the Word that there are things to do, that obedience grows out of that, that perfects the armor, the capability, the ability to go forward and do it. I mean, how would it be if you were in the army, you went in, and the army trained you how to, how to do all these things, but didn't give you any protection to go do them, just sent you as the sole person out there in the battlefield to walk right across the field and try to take care of your mission? No, as you grow in your skills, the armies teach you uh, about the armor, about your protection, about when to do things and, and how to do things and, and the cover of stealth and all of the rest of the things. It's armor. As David was developing his relationship and his obedience to God, God was developing David's armor. When your, rela when your relationship, when your obedience clothes your life, when it puts the, 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 the clothing, the armor uh, in, on your life, God's armor. Remember, it, put, taking on God's armor is an act of obedience. He tells us to put on the whole armor of God. It is not... This is Sunday school, okay? where I teach people to put on the greaves, where I teach them to put on their shoes, where I teach them to put on their breastplate and take up their shield. And we teach them to do it every day in Sunday school. Why? So when they get older and they understand that they're in a continuous seven-day-a-week, 24-hour-a-day battle, and God is developing their armor, they learn never to take it off so that they're always ready for battle. When the trial comes in the middle of the night, you're still ready for battle. You are dressed and sleeping in battle array. Why? Because of your relationship. Because of the obedience. Because this armor, now it cloaks around about you. So when trials and tragedy hit your life, you can face it with the Word of God. You can face it with praise. You can face it with song. And that's where, that's where that song, When peace like a river attendeth my way. You know, he had just lost his two daughters and was headed across the sea and on the boat. I don't remember the name of the person who wrote it right off the top of my head. But he said, When sorrow like sea Willows blow, whatever my lot. You have taught me to say, it is well, it is well. 
with my soul. See, that comes from relationship. That's armor. That's why James can say, count it all joy when you face various trials. He didn't say it all be joyful, but he says, count it all joy, knowing that these trials and the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you'd be perfected, complete, lacking nothing. We need to get to a place where the problems on the outside become smaller than the power, confidence, and faith on the inside. I remember back in the 1980s, I remember being at Christian Faith Center, and you know, we, were, we were very young in, in the Lord and learning about God. And I remember my wife, right after a service with a lady there that needed prayer, and she didn't hesitate. I mean, it'd be easy to say, oh, look, I'm, I'm kind of young at this. I don't understand this. But she says, no. I lay my hands on you. You will be healed. That's obedience to God's word. We're all called to do that. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, it says, lay hands on the sick. It doesn't say lay hands on the, on the sick if you're a pastor, a prophet, evangelist, teacher, a lay minister, an apostle, whatever it is. It doesn't say wait till you've gotten to that level. Wait until you've got so many badges. No. If you receive Christ, you're a minister of reconciliation. And our job is to reconcile people who are sick to health. Lay hands on the sick so they can, be re- they can recover. So I remember her laying her hands on this lady's knees, on her legs, praying. Why? Because now the word of God on the inside was bigger than the problems on the outside. We need to get to the place where we realize that we can no longer fight our battles wearing somebody else's armor. We can't continue to try to live our life in somebody else's battle gear, in their their armor, in their strength, in their ability. Go with me now to verse 38 and 39 of 1 Samuel 17. It says, So Saul clothed David with his armor. And put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them yet. He had not used them. He had not proved them. And David said to Saul, I can't walk in these, for I have not tested them. I have not proved that they work. So David took them off. See, there are many of us believers who have relied on their friends, relied on their families, have relied on the evangelist, the prophet, and the pastor for their armor. But when facing the trials in life, God's word is not in them. They have very little or maybe even no relationship with the word. Why? Because they've always just relied on the priest. They've always relied on the pastor. You know, I was in the Catholic church, you know, let the priest do that. The priest is the one that studies the word. The priest is the one that reads the word. Neither have none or very little armor for the good fight of faith that they are in. Their lives reveal very little obedience to the word of God. So let me ask you these questions. Maybe this week, write them down. They're virtually the same questions I asked you last week. What have you done this week to become more diligent in some area of your life? 
And number two, what are you going to do next week to become more diligent in an area of your life? More obedient to what God is speaking to you. Obedience. David's years of diligence manifests itself in obedience. Now jump over with me to 1 Samuel 23, verse 1. This is where I wanted to be this morning. 1 Samuel 23, 1. Eric, you hit the... Then, David to, or then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against um, Keilah, and they are robbing the threshing floor. I had to look that word up, that city up. Keilah. You ever have something just jump out of your brain? Praise the Lord. Keilah. For they are robbing the threshing floor. And you think, well, that's kind of an insignificant scripture in the Bible. But it wasn't insignificant to David. Why wasn't it insignificant to David? Because 125 years prior to that, there was a man named Gideon. And Gideon was threshing wheat. But he wasn't doing it on the threshing floor. He was doing it in the wine presses. And David, growing up in Jesse's house, had to have heard the stories about the forefathers and the great exploits of the judges as Gideon became a judge. And he must have heard about how the Midianites had overtaken Israel and chased them into the caves and chased them into the mountains. And how... the. All of Israel was in fear. Their, their lands were stripped. Their animals had been taken. And now here's Gideon, 125 years before, so in fear of the Midianites that he's not even threshing wheat anymore in the threshing floors that the Midianites would come in and seize it and take their food. They are out in the wine presses. They're in the hedges, the highways, the byway. They're anywhere they can stay away from the Midianites. And it must have resonated with David. When he heard that the Philistines were attacking and stealing and taking what was in the threshing floors away, it had to have resonated. He had to have remembered that because it became very important to David. It connected. It seems like a minor thing here as you're reading through the life of David. But if we go back to Judges 6.11, let me just read the story. It says, Now the angel of the Lord, he came and sat under the tabernacle tree, which was in uh, Ophrah, which belonged to Yoash, the Abysmite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine presses in order to hide from the Midianites. David had to have understood what this meant. He had to have understood what the significance of this was he had to understood that this was the event that caused God to look at Gideon and call him a mighty man of valor and how he saw that Gideon obeyed God and how God was with him how he was over to come how he was able to face insurmountable odds David had to have heard those stories growing up he was a man after God's own heart that had to have started in his household. But David's relationship was personal, as ours should be. Our relationship with God should be personal. Every one of us 
should look forward to the opportunity to communicate with God every day. So what's David's first thought when he hears about the fact that the Philistines had had overrun the threshing floors? David's first thought is to communicate with God. Verse 2 of chapter 23. Therefore David inquired of the Lord. See, what is our first thought when problems arise? When you feel an ache or a pain? Is your first thought, oh, I need to go see the doctor? Or is your first thought to communicate with God? Is your first thought to rely upon the word? What is, your, what is your first thought? David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, See, as spirit-filled believers, we should have that communication. The Holy Spirit should be real in your life, speaking to your life. David inquired of the Lord. And it says, And the Lord said to David, Go attack the Philistines and save Keilah. And so David inquired of the Lord. See, David spent time getting to know God. We need to spend time getting to know the Holy Spirit. We need to get, spend time getting to know our Father. The Holy Spirit will reveal him to you. We need to spend time. David spent time not only getting to know God, but he spent time inquiring of God. He spent time hearing from God. He spent time practicing obedience to God. All things that we should do. Spend time getting to know him. Spend time inquiring of him. Spend time hearing him. Spend time practicing obedience to him. Because that's what kingdom diligence leads to. It leads to obedience. When you're obedient to the, or when you're diligent to the kingdom, it leads to obedience. When you're diligent about communicating and spending time with God, it leads to obedience. And God will speak to you. The more obedient you are, the more He entrusts you. The bigger things and bigger problems He gives you to deal with. Somebody says, well, I don't want to deal with any problems. Well, you're going to have them. I mean, James said when trials and tribulations come, not if. Obedience isn't always easy. Even those close to you may not be with you. You know, when you face trials, sometimes the closest people to you don't understand it. They don't get it. They're not with you. I mean, that's what happened with David. In verse 3, it said, but David's men said to him, hey, look, we're afraid here. We're afraid here. We're here in Judah and we're afraid. We're here in our house and we're afraid because somewhere out there there's a virus. We're here in Judah and we're afraid. And you want us to go over where we know the Philistines are? How much more if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? We don't get it, David. Are you sure you heard from God? You know, David, we're with you. But we're in fear here. David said, let me go inquire of the Lord again. And David went and pursued God again and asked him. Why? Because fear paralyzes. He needed his men with him. 
Fear paralyzes believers. It restrains otherwise diligent individuals for pursuit of purpose and manifests itself as lack of obedience. You know, we talked about that at the beginning of the service. Here, David's mighty men. Fear has paralyzed them. But David's response was to seek first the kingdom. And here in verse 4, David inquired of the Lord once again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And he came back to his men and said, Men, I've got God's word on this. See, we, we need faith partners who, 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 who when, when we've heard the word of the Lord, say, I'm in it with you. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Boy, that's an awful big dream God has given you. I'm in it with you. Some of the ministries we support, God has given them incredibly large dreams. The world makes fun of them. We sow into them. They've got big dreams, and they're reaping souls. And you know what? When I get to heaven, I'm going to want to meet every one of those people that my finances, my faith, and my prayers brought into the kingdom. And there's millions of them. There's millions of them. Because it's not just the people that I touch. It's not just the people that Pastor Thor touches. It's not just the people that you touch. But all the money that we send over to Israel, the Philippines, the money we send up onto the Navajo Nation, the money that we put into other ministries that are winning souls all around the world, the money that, that we send to Grace International that is winning souls in 107 countries around the world. I get a part of that. I'm going to want to meet them all. I want to meet them all. Wouldn't it be awesome to hug all those necks and just say, it's so good to see you in the kingdom. So glad to see you here. So glad to see you here. It was worth it all. It was worth the fight. It was worth the struggle. It was worth the pain. It was worth the trials. It was worth the, the tribulation. It was worth it all. So David's men went and did as the Lord commanded them. And he delivered them. You can go read it for yourself in chapter 23 of 1 Samuel. So let me close with this. To obey is better than sacrifice. Jesus said it this way in John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. But you have to know his commandments. You have to know his word. You have to know the God of the Bible. You can't just know God any old way. But Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's obedience. A diligent person becomes an obedient person. You will desire to spend time in prayer. You'll desire to get up early in the morning. You'll desire to stay up late at night. You'll desire to, when you'd be watching, you're like, you know, I am so sick and tired of worldly television. For me, I turn on Dish 265, Believer's Voice of Victory Network. When I was growing up, it was Trinity Broadcasting. But I'm looking for faith. I'm looking for people who are willing to step out and walk on the water to help build my faith up. And then I communicate every day. I don't know about you, but I've developed my own, uh, what do you call them, devotional routines. 
I recorded them on my phone. These phones are incredible devices. You know there's more power in, in the cell phone you have in your hand than the computers they use to launch the first Apollo mission to the moon? My wife just showed me how my Bible can read to me. I've recorded, I record scriptures. I record uh, declarations. I record it because I want to hear it. I want to hear his word. I don't live the same kind of life most people do. My days are long. But I want to start them with God. I want to start them with his word. I want to be diligent at that. So that when he speaks to me, I can be obedient in what he's calling me to do. Amen? You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwab. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com. Or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.